Welcome to the The Generation Podcast, an audio resource dedicated to a generation of young people who are committed to total surrender to God and total dependence on His power to reach the world with the gospel of Christ. This podcast is designed to strengthen and encourage through a series of Bible-based practical talks. What concerns you the most, where you are now or where you will be in the future? Today's podcast focuses on things that you can do today that will make the difference tomorrow. Join Bobby Bosler to get a vision for your future and a purpose for your present. Welcome to the The Generation Podcast. I'm Bobby Bosler, and I'm speaking to you, it's good to say, from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. (laughs) The reason why I say it's good to say is because I think if you know anything about our schedule, we've been on the road for a number of months now, uh, ministering all over the southeast. Uh, The Lord has blessed our tour. Uh, We had two young men from Baptist College of Ministry along with us, and we saw many young people come. And I believe it's 192 young people trust Christ as their Savior, this tour, which has just been uh, such a blessing. Uh, it's been a blessing to see the many hundreds of young people who've also stood to their feet to declare uh, before their friends their desire to surrender their lives to Jesus. And, you know, as, uh, as this month of May um, is uh, starting to pass by us, uh, we're about ready to reach a milestone in our ministry And uh, I want to share this with you because this actually has something to do with what I want to talk to you about. Um, uh, Right around the end of May, uh, we will be ending our eighth year on the road. In May of 2011, uh, my wife and I, we packed up our apartment and uh, we closed down our apartment, I should say, and we hopped into our 1996 Toyota Camry and we began to drive. (laughs) And we've been driving ever since. And uh, we spent uh, about a whole semester on the road going from church to church, letting people know that the war was back on the trail. And then in the spring of 2012, uh, the beginning of 2012, we started our first meetings. And as I was just thinking about this milestone, I just want to share a couple things. Uh, We've had 18 tours. Most of these tours have been full-length tours. There have been a couple of smaller tours and missions trips as well. Uh, We've had 48 individual team members who traveled on our teams from young men to young ladies. And this one was interesting. We've had 137 uh, weeks of the war, or the cola clash as the case might be. As I broke that down and looked at all the specifics, we had 414 individual war nights. That means I preached the gospel to a crowd of lost teens over 400 times. Our team has done a great job of bringing young people under the hearing of the gospel. We, they've recruited over 41,000 young people uh, to come to the event. We've had 11,707 teenagers actually come to our meetings, and uh, this is pretty exciting to me. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we've rolled past 3,000 teenagers who've trusted Christ as their Savior. You know, I'll be honest with you, I remember back in, in college, Uh, thinking about wanting to serve the Lord in evangelism and wanting to see God use my life to bring young people under the hearing of the gospel and to see them saved. And I remember at that time just thinking, man, it'd be great if I could see, you know, a few hundred young people saved. And uh, to think that we've crossed over 3,000 just blows me away. Um, And, you know, you've probably seen some young people saved in your life. Maybe you took the uh, the generation 
evangelism challenged and maybe you saw somebody saved and that is awesome. Maybe you've gone on a missions trip and you saw some people saved on that missions trip. I want you to know that is awesome. But I guess there's a question that I've been thinking about. You know, while in college, I had some pretty neat soul winning times where I saw one, two, a couple times I saw three, four, five young people saved in a night. How could I go from the one, twos, and threes to the thousands? And I'm saying this to you not at all to brag about me. I want to relate to you because I'm speaking to you from the other side of this right now. And Lord willing, I've got much more to go. And I plan on serving the Lord in this capacity as long as the Lord will let me. But what is the biggest difference between seeing a couple people saved as a result of an evangelism challenged and seeing thousands saved? Well, I'll tell you what the difference is. It's eight years. (laughs) Eight years of traveling the country. Uh, If I were to add it up, it'd be well over 200, uh, probably 300 individual days my family spent from sunup to almost sundown in the vehicle, traveling from place to place. That is thousands and thousands of people that I've met. That is tens, hundreds of thousands of miles that we've driven. And, And honestly, it's the time factor, though, consistently obeying the Lord, yielding to his will on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis, and depending on the Spirit of God to work miracles every day of your life. Now, I've not been perfect. I've had my times of unbelief. I've had my times of discouragement, as you have too, I'm sure. But I want to bring to your attention a passage of Scripture that I think of when I think of this matter of uh, following the Lord uh, in a um, in a long-term manner, uh, this is a verse I'm sure you've heard, but I want to to help you understand it through a, a revival lens here today. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Just a couple of of things I want to say, just the context of this. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, which is known as the resurrection chapter earlier on. He basically said you believed on Jesus uh, and you're going to be going to heaven unless you believed in vain. And uh, he's not saying there that it's possible to depend on Jesus in vain. The only way that would be possible is if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. And throughout the chapter, he's proving the fact that Jesus rose from the dead This is core to our faith. It is because of the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead that you and I can have confidence and can serve the Lord uh, with that confident expectation that God is going to do something. I think probably the main point of the chapter is the fact that our future hope is something we can be confident of. But you know, as I study the scripture, And as I study the resurrection power of God, I see that it's not just a future reality, it's a present reality. Paul prayed for the Ephesians that their eyes would be opened, that they would understand um, the incredible power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, In uh, Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul recognized that the power of the resurrection was something that wasn't just future, but it's something that could be experienced every day of your life. 
And young people, I want you to know that the reason why he says that he wants you and me to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord is because of the resurrection power that you and I can experience every day of our lives. And you know, that's something we specialize on, something that we really focus on here is that no matter what obstacle you're facing, the power of Christ in you can enable you to overcome that. But something I don't know that we always think about is this long-term, this endurance uh, factor when it comes to serving the Lord. I think many times what we, you and I experience is we experience the missions trip mentality. Uh oh, we've got an opportunity of service coming up. We're going to go to Haiti or we're going to go to Europe or we're going to go to Southeast Asia and we're going to work, 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 work for two weeks and hopefully see a bunch of people saved and then we'll come home and we can get back to whatever else we were doing. And we psych ourselves up for a short period of time of serving the Lord and then we just go back to the rest of our lives. And, and you know what? I've heard some people say, oh, that's so bad, that's so horrible, but it's not. It's a good thing to psych yourself up to serve the Lord. It's a good thing to prepare your heart to give an intense period of time where you're serving the Lord. But young people, God doesn't just want us to obey him on a two-week missions trip. God doesn't just want us to be on fire for him uh, during some overseas trip where we spend a few weeks serving the Lord. I think we need to have less of a missions trip mentality and more of a full-time missionary mentality. In other words, let's not just obey God for a short period of time. Let's settle it in our hearts that we're going to obey God for an entire lifetime. You see, I, we, we focus sometimes on the miracle in the moment of crisis. You're at a conference and God's working in your heart about getting right with him. And so here's the crisis. Boom. Oh, invitation time. I respond. I cry. I weep. There are boogers. I talk to the counselor. I go and I talk to my parents and I get right with God. I go home and I'm just, yes, I want to serve the Lord for a couple of weeks. And sometimes I think that's because we're depending on our own strength and that's why it doesn't last. But I think there are other times when we just weren't planning on obeying him for the rest of our lives. You see, it requires just as much of a miracle for you to take a step of faith today as it does for you to take a step of faith every moment of every day for the rest of your life. You know, I, I think if, I think sometimes we can view this just in terms of the big meeting or just in terms of the crisis opportunity, just in terms of I'm going to depend on God for the evangelism challenge that lasts for three weeks. But young people, God wants your life to count every single day for the rest of your high school career, for the rest of your college career, for the rest of your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and for some of you, all the way up to 100. <laughs> what does it take to surrender to Jesus and to depend on him, not just for a, a short-term project, but for the rest of your life, what does it take? Well, it takes what he says right here in this verse. Um, he says here that you need to be steadfast. Uh, what's the idea of steadfast? It's the idea of being firmly established in one's position or opinions. Guess what? If you're going to serve God for the rest of your life, you need to believe right and you need to be absolutely rooted 
in believing right. You know what that means for some of you? That means you need to go to Bible college. Now, I'm not necessarily right now pushing for one Bible college or another, but you need to go to a place that's going to get you settled in what you believe. Did you know that wrong patterns of thinking can cause you uh, to go off on a rabbit trail? They can cause you to spin your wheels for God. If you get off on some kick uh, about some theological tangent and you don't get it in your soul, uh, what, what the Bible majors on, young person, you are going to spend your life on something that's peripheral and not core. Young people, it's so important for you to be rock solid, established in what you believe. And uh, for some of you, that means going to Bible college. Maybe for some of you, that means you need to take a solid course like Faith Bible Institute or something like that in conjunction with your local church so you can get it in your soul, what the Bible says, and even furthermore, what God wants you to do. You know, for me, I'm not just kind of wondering what God wants me to do. I know what God wants me to do. If you've heard me on this podcast, you've heard me share some of the stories my senior year in college. I knew God had called me to evangelism. I wasn't sure exactly what it was supposed to be. Well, actually, I thought I knew what it was going to be, but God rerouted it. God did some miracles in answer to prayer to confirm to me that this is exactly what I am supposed to be doing. And so as I've launched out from beyond the confines of the protection of Bible college or whatever your corresponding shelter or protection might be, I went out with a mission that I knew I'd got from God. And that's one of the reasons why I've been able to serve God for eight years. But he says here, not just steadfast, you need to be unmovable. And he says here, that, uh, and that's the idea of uh, not being readily shaken in one's opinions or beliefs. In other words, this is what God wants me to do. This is what God says he wants me to do. And guess what? I'm not getting off it. Can I say this is holy stubbornness? <laughs> holy stubbornness to do the will of God. You know, some of you, you get so easily shaken. You get so quickly um, pushed off of the path of God's will because maybe you had a, a challenging encounter in your soul winning, or maybe somebody made fun of you and called you some holy roller or, or some holier-than-thou person. I'm telling you, young people, I had not surrendered to Christ for three weeks before I started getting called holier-than-thou. Good night. God was working in my life. I just wanted to get right with God. And all of my former friends seemed to turn against me and think that I and think that I was sticking my nose up at them. And that wasn't the case at all. But young people, people aren't going to understand sometimes. And you've got to get it in your soul. This is what God wants me to believe. This is what God wants me to do. And I'm not getting off it. You know, one of the reasons why it's so important to to be not readily shaken is because young people, I'm just going to be honest with you, things can get challenging. And that, okay, there are some people, they love to major on this. They love to say, oh, the ministry, oh, it's so hard. Oh, the ministry, people will stab you in the back. Don't get into the ministry unless you know it's God's will. And, and people practically try to scare you out of going into the ministry and following the Lord and surrendering to him. And they say that it's this horrible, terrible, um, traumatic road to follow. I'm not going to go down that road. But young people, I'll be honest with you, ministry can wear on you sometimes. It can wear you down. Okay, just a for instance, and my son is going to hate me for sharing this with you. Um, but on our way back from our last meeting, this is this week, 
Um, Tuesday, we all pack into the vehicles and we start our first journey from Charleston, South Carolina to Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, as we're driving down the road, I get a call from my wife and she says, Bobby, we need to pull over right away. Your son, um, he, he threw up every, the whole contents of his stomach. Well, that's great. <laughs> so we, uh, we stop, we pull over to the side of the road. Actually, we pull over to a truck stop and my wife is cleaning out the van and I'm retching because I can't quite handle that kind of smell. And I take David and I take him into the truck stop and there are showers in there. And I hear the guy in front of me say, you know, hey, could I get a shower? And the lady says, well, there's somebody in front of you. It might be a while. And I just said, to the, I just, I just said, you know, I'd actually need a shower too, but not for me, for him. And I pointed over at David who at that point was completely covered in vomit all over one side of his body. And I said, um, I, I said, I'm willing to wait, but he could really use a shower here. <laughs> they said, why don't we let you in right away? The other person hasn't quite gotten in yet. So anyway, we, I brought David in there and come to find out there were other issues that he'd had with his gastrointestinal system, which I will not go into, um, but things were challenging. And you know what? These things actually happened multiple times throughout the day on our journey. It felt like every time we turned around, we were pulling over. And then... We're driving down the road there that next day after knock, uh, on, on our way from, this was actually the second day now, uh, traveling from Knoxville to uh, Indiana. And uh, as we're driving, I see this lady pull up next to me in a pickup truck, frantically pointing at me. And uh, all I could see at first, I was like, what is wrong with this lady? Then I realized she's, she was saying, your tire. And I turned and looked at my rearview mirror just in, si just in time to see my fender fly off the side of my trailer and uh, see all the smoke and debris fly out of the side of the trailer. I had a blown tire. So I pulled over and uh, we got the tire. And we had a spare, thankfully. We got that patched up and it had ripped a whole bunch of the, the, uh, weather, uh, the weather lining from above the, the tire. And I was thinking, oh, man, thankfully it's great weather here today and I don't have to worry about water getting up and ruining the inside of the trailer. So we kept driving down the road. We got a new spare. Well, we drove right across the border of Kentucky into Indiana and I saw storm clouds on the horizon. And I thought, oh, no. So we pulled over to the side of the road. Uh, we pulled over to a Lowe's and uh, I, we went inside. We were looking for some kind of a solution to patch it up. And finally, we settled on Gorilla Tape. Four inch wide, incredibly strong stuff. We, we taped that up and uh, we got back in the vehicle and we kept driving down the road and it didn't just sprinkle, it poured torrents of water literally from the time that we started with, we got into Indiana after we got that taped up all the way, at, uh, we, we stopped in, in Indiana, we stayed overnight, we got in the vehicle, pretty much rained almost the whole trip back up to Wisconsin. And I'll be honest with you, I got home on Thursday afternoon absolutely whipped. I, I've been I've been trying to recover, trying to all the stress of it all, all the challenge of it all. It can wear on you. And, and young people, I want you to know that a life of following Jesus, a life of surrendering to him and doing what he calls you to do, it's going to be physically taxing. It's going to have its moments when you're going to be wondering, how in the world can I keep going? It's going to have your times when, when your body, when you get into your 30s like I am, is going to stop working the way it did when you were in your teens or 20s. It's going to get to the point when, uh, when people aren't going to maybe praise you like you think they ought to praise you. It's going to get to the point where the thrill of the, the firsts wears off. 
And, and you know what, young people, your generation and my generation, we have a really serious problem. And our problem is when the initial thrill of doing something new wears off, we look for something else that's new. But young people, I want you to know when God the Holy Spirit tells you what God's will is, and when you yield to him, that doesn't mean he can't lead you in a different directions in the future, but young people, you follow the path that God has set for you until he tells you otherwise. Young people, I've been through eight years of ministry now, and I'm so grateful for what God's doing in and through my life and ministry. Yes, it's had its challenges. Yes, there have been some times when I felt felt like throwing in the towel. But I'll be honest with you, young people, when God speaks, you continue to follow. You continue to obey. And, and by the way, concerning this verse here, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I think there's two ideas to that. Yes, you're working for the Lord, but you're also abounding. You are overflowing in the work that God is doing. And he gives a promise here for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. And here's the key, in the Lord. Young people, as you yield to Jesus, don't just yield to Jesus for the next step. Yield to Jesus for a life of next steps. Don't just yield to Jesus to do what he's called you to do today. Yield to Jesus to do what he's called you to do for the rest of your life and never stop yielding. Never stop surrendering. Never stop depending. And it's a life, a life, not a day, not a week, not a missions trip, a life of total surrender and total dependence that very well will turn the whole world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know this has been a little bit longer here, young people, but I just wanted to share my heart with you here today. Trust it's been a blessing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the The Generation Podcast. For more faith-inspiring resources and information about joining The Generation, please visit thegeneration.org. That's T-H-E-E generation.org.